Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, October 1st, 2019. I am Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, it is October. Yes. It is officially... I guess it's not officially fall. It was officially fall a couple weeks ago. But, I know, uh, yeah. I, fe- I feel like when you get into Q4, you get into quarter four, it's mm-hmm. it's fall now. It's it's not it's not any of that Indian summer, late summer mm. stuff. It's This is officially fall. I think you are now allowed to put up Halloween decorations. Pumpkin spice lattes are now completely good, appropriate. Good. Not, that my, not that my approval on that means anything <laughs> to anybody. Um, Thanksgiving decorations, maybe a little bit much. Not a thing. Uh, what's, not a thing. Your, what's your cut? What's your cutoff for Christmas decorations? Um. Well, if I had my way, it would be like November first. But I try and stick to the very New York City centric way of following it, which is as soon as Santa comes down 34th uh, right. Street during the parade on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yes, that seems fair. Yeah. And. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I tend to keep up the tree and everything until about February. So. Oh, right. So. Yeah, you're one of those. I'm one of those. Okay. All right. Um, yesterday, I had said that you would be here with James. We moved some schedule yeah, stuff around. Surprise. So uh, it'll be tomorrow uh, that you are with James, actually, the next two days. So mm. uh, I appreciate everybody's flexibility with that. But depending on how flexible you are, why don't you flexible some money over to the Patreon account, oh, patreon.com hey. slash Broadway Radio. That's probably the worst transition. That was, that was great. We life. don't do segues here. That's horrific. Um, but <laughs> if you want to uh, contribute, maybe we can pay for a transition and segue class. Um, you can go over to patreon.com slash Broadway radio. All right, Ashley, let's get into today's news. And after we were done recording, because it was on the West Coast, the Old Globe's world premiere production of the musical adaptation of Almost Famous officially opened. Of course, the... Musical is based on the screenplay by Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe also wrote the book for this musical and contributed some lyrics along with music and lyric writer Tom Kidd. It's directed by Jeremy Heron. This, of course, uh, follows a kid who is loosely based on Cameron Crowe himself, who became a music journalist by following along a rock band back in the early 70s. And Ashley, I'm going to talk about this in in a minute, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, These reviews are pretty fantastic. So let's go ahead and start off with Shirley Halperin from Variety. She said, quote, In the hands of Kit Crow, who also wrote the music's book, and the director Jeremy Heron, a love letter to music and the concert experience, or in rock and roll parlance, a backstage pass to peek into the world that feels both fantastical and real. She continues, quote, visually, it makes a lot of a little employing doors as frequent prop to set the scene, a backstage dressing room, William's bedroom and several hotel suites. Moments in the story set on the band's tour bus and plane made use of stacked chairs and hydraulics to great effect, as did a dance number that incorporates classic album covers. She didn't get into much as much as I wanted to hear about the show itself and how it works. She kind of mm-hmm. did a, more of one of those review things, but it, it was was a pretty glowing review from Variety. 
Getting over to Charles McNulty from the Los Angeles Times, he went a little bit more in depth and said, quote, Almost Famous isn't just a glimpse into the beginnings of a fledging music writer who became a major filmmaker. It's the story of any artist's battle between compromise and complexity. But it's the spirit of the music, a vibe that goes from laid back to frenetic in a blink, that captivates. The chaotic communal spirit of 70s rock is distilled in a musical that seems destined to conquer Broadway. Pretty good. Pat Lerner from the Times of San Diego didn't necessarily go as far as McNulty did, writing, quote, There isn't much subtlety or nuance, minimal room for the audience to think, conjecture, or make connections of their own. Everything is spelled out. The book hues close to the film, though Penny's role, Penny Lane, the part played by Soleil Pfeiffer in the film or in the in the musical is fleshed out a bit. And that's a good thing. We come to care about William and Penny and Russell and we prize their individual journeys. There's a great deal of electricity and entertainment here. It's a great start for a brand new show. But as a fully formed, ready for Broadway mega musical, I might say it's almost famous. Mm. So the the reviews were good. I mean, right. I think the out of town triad reviews tend to be good. Local critics team tend to be a little bit more sure. forgiving of faults of new shows than the New York critics generally are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for the most part, these reviews were really, really strong. Yeah, very nice. And as I said last week, when they announced when we were talking about the uh, last week's theatrical schedule, I would imagine that on the heels of this, if we'd, I would be shocked if we didn't get a Broadway announcement this week. Um, these reviews are really good. I think they would want to capitalize on that. Uh, and I, I think there's a house for them. So mm-hmm. I would be very surprised if this one didn't uh, end up announcing for the Broadway later this week. I'm surprised you think it's going to be this week. Well, I think they want to ride the the momentum of those reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think generally when you when you have a show that wants to come to Broadway, they wait for the reviews to come out because they either one want to capitalize on good ones mm-hmm. or want to distance themselves from those True. reviews. If they announce, if they announce beforehand, they really better have good reviews or that's going to be all that the reviews are about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they're bad, they can kind of wait a while and let people forget. And then they can talk about, it's still probably sold really well. So they can talk sure. about how it was a sold out run. So just looking at the marketing of it, I would imagine that with reviews this good, we will be hearing about this sooner rather than later. It's They're still sussing things out. So as you said, some of that is very much critic language where you don't learn too much the logistics about it. But it seems like from a right. lot of it, they're kind of covering all the necessary basis, bases of you know what you can expect from the show emotionally. It seems like it is very fit for Broadway. Yeah, but it's a Tom Kitt score, it's... so my expectations aren't super high. Wow. Tom Kit hater Matt Tamanick. <laughs> I am. I, I'll be honest with you. I they, I have not yet heard a Tom Kit score that I like. Hmm. I'm not gonna lie. All right. Uh, next to normal had next to normal had some bops as the kids say, but on a whole, some it bops. left me completely cold. It was literally the same song over and over again. I can't. Same with if then. Possibly disagree with you more on next to normal, but. As far that's as that's fine, you're allowed. As far, you're allowed to be wrong. Um, as far as if then, I'll uh, I'll second that. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into last week's Broadway so grosses. Rude. 
well, I mean, just call it like I see him or hear him. So, mm. uh, but with a new show added to the boards and performances added to shows and previews, The Great White Way picked up an extra $574,000 to come in at $29,894,777. While 13 of Broadway's 33 shows were in the red week over week, the dips were mostly modest. Only one was over 63 k and even that, Freestyle Love Supreme, was only a smidge over 92000 in the hole from the previous week. Now, Lin-Manuel Miranda's other show on Broadway saw an 18k increase to push Hamilton up to $2,991,505, followed by Moulin Rouge and To Kill a Mockingbird, both above $2 million. They were followed by The Lion King, Ain't Too Proud, Wicked, Town, Aladdin, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and the Book of Mormon all in seven figures. Now, Hadestown, despite being in the smallish Walter Kerr Theater, is doing dynamite business at 1369000 It did over 125% of its gross potential Yay. last week, better than any other show on the boards. I think there was a lot of people, Ashley, who mm -hmm. were suspect as to whether or not this show would be a hit, and there is no doubt that it is a hit, a hit, a palpable hit. Love it. Love what she did there. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Uh Ashley, the the this despite that, the story for me is how some of the shows that are in year two, one or two into their run, uh, and that at one point we probably thought would be long runners, aren't doing so well as things slow down for the fall. Dear Evan Hansen dipped below $1 million for the second time this month, something that had only happened once before, uh, only had happened once before during an eight-show week, and that was back in December of 2016. Frozen had its second worst week on Broadway, better than only last week. Mean Girls had its worst week at 700K. Now, I... As we've talked about before, I don't think that these shows are posting closing notices this no, week or anything no. like that, especially DEH and Frozen. Sure. But I, I point these out because I would I would recommend that you keep an eye on their marketing, how much uh, how many discounts they put out, how good the discounts are. Watch their social media presence to see if they kick things into gear to try and stem the tide up until the holidays, because the DEH being below a million dollars isn't that big of a deal. But right. I would not be surprised if they start lowering their ticket prices and then lowering what their gross potential is <laughs> yeah. to try to get more people in. That's, so. that's kind of the uh, the takeaway of it, I think, is they're probably going to need to look at what they're doing about their ticket pricing. Yeah. And that's that happens with everybody. At some point, the, the the ticket prices are so high that uh, when the demand starts to shrivel up again a little bit at those prices, you got to drop things down, mm -hmm. and that's totally fine. But keep an eye on those. Um, now, Ashley, I, I want to look at the shows in previews where only two of them are doing more than half of their gross potential. The aforementioned Freestyle Love Supreme and Roundabouts the Rose Tattoo, and neither of those uh, was above 65%. Slave Play is right around 50%. Then we've got The Inheritance, which only did two performances, and it's not a really fair comparison since it's still just part one and part two is not out there yet. But um, So Slave Play, then The Inheritance, then The Sound Inside, then The Great Society, then The Lightning Thief, and then Linda Vista. Now, because so many of those are plays from nonprofit theaters, those numbers aren't surprising and they don't really mean a ton. But... The one that I would be concerned about is the lightning thief. Mm -hmm. We always knew, we always knew that it was probably going to be a losing endeavor. And sure. I think we both agree that the producers also probably knew that it would be a losing oh, endeavor. Of course. 
but I did not think that it would be this much of a losing endeavor, especially just into its second week on Broadway. Last week in eight performances, the show did just $216,708 for uh, 23.56% mm. of its gross potential and the lowest capacity on Broadway at under 54%. Now, Ashley, even knowing that this, of course, was always going to be a loss leader for sure. future marketing and licensing and stuff like that, I can't imagine that the producers are comfortable with no, those No, God, no. I, and it's still early, but honestly, it's curious for me because I'm usually more excited about musicals than I am about plays, and I am not there yet. I think a lot of the promotion for it has been poor, which is surprising, uh, especially as a show that already had some kind of following in advance. Well, advance and promotion might have might be tied in there because I don't know that they have the advance to do much promotion. Mm. So, so we'll see what happens. Um, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm looking back at the glory days kind of thing here, but maybe, maybe I am looking at a glory days situation here. So just, uh, just putting it out there. So. All right, let's close the show out with a couple other bits of news. Ashley, after we stopped recording on Sunday night, it was announced that Be More Chill would be transferring to London, where it would make its UK premiere at Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Other Palace, beginning on February 12th of 2020. This is an off-West End uh, theater. It is about a 300-seat theater, so this feels so much more appropriate than what they tried to do uh, on Broadway. Seriously. The production is set to run through May 3rd, so it'll be a limited run uh, out in London. No announcement yet on the cast, but I would not be surprised if we don't see a number of people from the original Broadway cast making the transfer with Yeah, it. I mean, they're a tight-knit enough family. I'm just glad it's back in a smaller house. It, yeah. I, it, as much as I support it, probably should never have been on Broadway. And it's one of those shows that certainly thrives better in a smaller house. Yeah. This is a place where they had that um, revised version of Heather's play mm. uh, uh, last year or sure. something that did huge business. I mean, it was, a, it was a huge success and it ended up transferring to the West End because of it. Um, so this is definitely feels like a place that can support a show of this type Good that has a big online shows. younger kid. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of cult shows uh, and a little bit of a different variety here, it was announced yesterday that Titan Comics, uh, one of the big comic publishers beneath um, Marvel and DC will be releasing a graphic novel version of the Phantom of the Opera. Now, when I first saw this, I thought, oh, well, of course, this is just going to be based on the original French novel because mm. that's in the public domain. But no, it is apparently going to be based on the actual Broadway libretto. Uh, this is going to be released on June 2nd of 2020. And in the, sh in the show notes, we'll have a link and you can actually see a uh, a picture uh, from one of the uh, from one of the pages one of the panels so uh, yeah I don't know about that one I've got like I was gonna say are I've you got... gonna are you gonna grab a copy I might I, I know, have like... I know you're you're into that area of uh, yeah media yeah I've got like a Frankenstein graphic novel Very I've got cool. a um, Fahrenheit 451 graphic novel like I've got some classic novels in comic book graphic novel form uh -huh. and then of course i've got a ton of comic books and right. regular graphic novels but it's an interesting way to put forth this story i think it probably really works well gothic stories work well in graphic novels mm -hmm. um so i think that's really interesting and then actually let's close out the show with my big 
amazing brain and my power to control the world. Because after I asked for it on Monday's show, MCC came through. Bernie Telsey and company came through they and extended to re- they listened. They extended Teresa Rebeck's new play Seared off Broadway, directed by Moritz von Stupnagel. Mm. Uh, and they are they will now have that show running off Broadway through December first. This is the one with Krista Rodriguez and Raul Esparza that I uh, gushed about uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So very excited that that is going to be running while I'm in town, and I pre- appreciate my good friend Bernie uh, listening and and uh, helping a brother out. If anyone has any show requests or <laughs> revivals they want, send them directly to Matt to talk Bring about it on. on the air. Yeah, Miss Cleo is always in business. I take bribes. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all good. Just send them directly to Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Patreon. That's fine. I don't. Anyway. All right, that's all we've got for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Ashley, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right, as Ashley said, head over to www.patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. <laughs> no, Miss Cleo, I, I misstated. Miss Cleo is a professional oh, who yes. takes her gifts uh, very seriously. Mm-hmm. It is not a scam that forced unsuspecting children and teenagers to dial one night. Yeah, numbers. do not dial the number that you see at the bottom of your screen right now. <laughs> so you're not even old enough to like remember those I things. Like I remember vaguely remember. <laughs> there was like back in the day, like I remember a channel called I think it was called The Box, Ooh. where you could like call and request music videos, but it was like a nine one nine hundred number. You would call and request music videos. And if no one was paying attention, they would play them right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how old I am. I remember late night psychic infomercials. That's 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 where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. This is uh... somewhere somewhere in between. <laughs>